have you seen any Joe Rogan podcasts? I love Joe Rogan. Yeah, I love him. you can't ignore how how good his podcast has become, how big it has become. So when I started mine, the big thing for me was like, you know, like when you have you hear all these people do these like, what's your motive and all that crap. I just want to have fun conversations, people that interest me, and and. I, I'm not really going to structure them that much. I'm just going to see where they go. Yeah. Record it. And that, 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 that's always been my attitude to it. It's like, press play. Like, whenever I do them, I'm, I'm never like, I, I just sort of press play when I think the conversation sounds good. And that's where it starts. And Joe Rogan's great like that. I saw his, uh, it was the moment he was talking to uh, Rob, uh, what's it? Ugh. Downey Jr. Downey Jr. Yeah. Iron Man. There we go. <laughs> he was talking to Iron Man, real life Iron Man. A man made of iron. Man, yeah, he was just talking at an iron wall and for three hours and it was brilliant. Um, <laughs> One way conversation to the max at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he just got to a point. He was like, hey, this is good. Hold up a second. Get recording, like recorded and then just ask that question again. And it was something yeah. about laser eye surgery or something like that. Uh, yeah, but it was it was gripping. How often do you hear that sort of thing and think, yeah, I want to listen to this? I had that yesterday. So yesterday I did the one with Phil White, who found one of the founders of Cervelo, mm. and we we spent I think half the podcast talking about uh, motorbike and car racing. <laughs> Didn't even talk about bikes. Sure, why not? <laughs> Yeah, because he was like, he was just, we're talking about like uh, the Isle of Man because my my family's from the Isle of Man and we're just chatting away about uh, like the Isle of Man TT and my dad's like a former TT racer and like world sidecar champ and like British Superbike champion and all this kind of madness. And then we just went off on a tangent about that and then different race circuits around the world. And I was like, this is, I'm talking to like one of my personal like favorite designers take out the cycling aspect but like just someone that's you know a real innovator about motorbikes this is really weird but it's kind of cool i'm gonna just keep it running with it why not although (laughs) then you get to the end of it and you're like oh my god i didn't ask him any of the questions i actually wanted to ask yeah exactly but hey will (laughs) just cut it into individual sentences and splice them together and be like, yes, this now is what I want it to be. <laughs> it's like those really creepy newspaper articles, but digital. <laughs> do, you, do you mean the creepy ones where it's like a murderer? I'm thinking of, you know, when a murderer cuts out letters. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. A digital version of that. A di- oh, pl- please. It's amazing what you can do behind the scenes of the podcast, though. Uh, the pe- Like, you tell people don't worry i can cut that or or you know this if if you don't like a bit we'll get rid of it um i had one with Haley simmons who is mm. like an olympic hopeful commonwealth games medalist she, she is an incredible athlete she is a phd graduate from cambridge yeah. university and like the, the model of the sort of person you want to have on your podcast and um and she's a really good articulate speaker as well and then in the background there's a building site banging a pole like dong 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 all the way through and and i was terrified i was like have i just wrecked this entire podcast with her i'm not i'm not doing that again but you can magic it out even something as invasive as that 
you could kind of dull it down and make it nice and subtle. <laughs> I mean, you, you definitely do more than I do. Like, I'm, I'm just like, oh, shit, there goes the doorbell. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave that in. I've, got, I've literally had podcasts where I did one with a mate of mine, and I, it was purely, I was like, it's a guy called Tom. He's like quite a new cyclist. And I literally turned around and I was like, I text him about 10 minutes before. I was like, I bought a new mic. Can we do a podcast? Because I really want to try it out. And this was like, this is a prime lockdown. This was like, I mean, five episodes in. So it's still yeah. pretty early. And <laughs> it literally in the podcast, the, his doorbell rings like three or four times. And, and he's like, oh, I've got to go answer the door. And I'm like, that's fine. Go answer the door. I'll just make that bit where you're not here very, very short. Yeah. Uh, that's about as much as my editing goes. But the best bit was his mum shouts up. She's like, Tom! And I was like, <laughs> that's staying in. <laughs> that, is, that is staying in. That's perfect. Yeah. Those kind of things are funny. <laughs> yeah. It, it makes it lighthearted. I don't like the the super polished feel. It works for some people, but it's yeah. not it's not actually w- what I like to do. And I think it's, it's probably not what a lot of people like to listen to. Um, uh, it's not engage. It's not engaging. There's no emotion in it. And like we're as human beings are drawn in by emotion, like, mm. and you know, other people showing emotion, emotive things like, uh, like I put in the way that I explain that in another way is when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I remember going to see black beauty at the cinema. Okay. Yeah? And it made me cry so much. And do you know why it did? It was because my parents had horses and my grandparents ran an animal charity. Uh, and I still remember it like the back, like anything. That film made me cry loads because it was really emotive to me. You empathised with it because you could feel it. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and I, you know, it's Black Beauty. Like it's, it's, it's a pretty intense film anyway. Yeah. But like, you put any kind of film which involves animal things like that. I'm terrible with it. I watched um, Ot 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 Jack. Oh sure. no! Yeah, 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 yeah. I know that film. That's good. I mean? That is good film. If that, if if people haven't watched that film, they need to. It's yeah, brilliant. so it was recommended to me. Francis recommended it to me. Yeah. Uh, when we went for a, we went for a big ride over the weekend, and he was like. I always ask him for film recommendations because he's always got a really good eye for films. Yeah. Is he vegetarian or vegan or something as well? He's He's vegan. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, are you, are you vegan? You're vegetarian. Yeah. I like ice cream. That's my letdown. Join the club. I I like tuna. So I'm vegetarian (laughs) who eats a lot of tuna and eggs. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm vegetarian that eats a lot of ice cream. So, so he's he's eyed it up and he's thinking I'm gonna get you with this film. You're not gonna know what's yeah. hit you. Well, so I, it's the director that did Parasite, isn't it? As well, which is another incredible. Oh, film, was it? That explains yeah. a lot. Same director. So I I watched it on the weekend. I watched it on Sunday, and like I was welling up. Yeah, because it's. The animal cruelty aspect, and I just I empathised with it so much. And, and the way, I guess, spoiler alerts because this is going in the podcast now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and so it's not really a happy ending to that film. No, it's not at all. It, it it's it's a brilliant ending, and yeah. there's like this catharsis of the film and the story in the film. But it it was 
Oh, and it's kind of like um, the Eagle Huntress. Is this one I need to add to my list? Hundred percent. It is about a young, a young woman who was growing up like in the steppes of Kazakhstan or somewhere where there are steppes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't quote me on that. So she is like born into this family, and traditionally, they hunt with eagles, and it's like the first born son is taught by their their father and it just goes down like that yeah. uh, and the idea is that this young girl wants to do it because yeah. sure why not and uh, her dad's like uh, yeah go for it and um, it's it, there's not like some brilliant twist or like M. Night Shyamalan sort of <laughs> thing but it's just a yeah. real emotive film in incredible scenery with a young woman that you care about and then at the end there's like this little post credits bit <laughs> and uh my fiance was just like bawling her eyes out just at the post the post credit bit i'm like oh no <laughs> but it's it's that i'm i'm terrible because i'm one of those people that don't cry but she's uh you're not human i'm not human at all i think i've cried at one film and it was okay. the film let him have it if, okay. if another one, good one for it's uh, Christopher Eccleston playing one of the last people to be hanged in Britain, I think. And he is a guy with um, learning difficulties. Um, it doesn't really understand like standard social norms. Yeah. It all hinges on him killing a police officer, shooting yeah. him, and his yeah. his accomplice there says, "Let him have it." And it's like, did he mean let him have it? Like shoot him or did he mean let him have the gun and uh that's the only film i've cried at i think like the injustice of it all kind of got to me well it's that emotive context isn't it like it's a real person who as you say if it's someone that has like a learning difficulty it's like do they really understand the nature of their actions like mm. it's it's uh, you know i'm i'm a big believer of the like of how you can interact and engage with people really well is emotion with emotions more than anything, whether that's through film, music, video, art, whatever it is. Like, yeah. there's always a way. Everyone has a everyone has like a little a little crack which you can <laughs> you can leave it open with a crowbar if you want to open with something. Yeah, 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 definitely. And whether or not they want it to be leave it open, but there's always a way that you, there's always a way there always is everyone and people might not admit it, but there's always a way to get through to someone to connect with them, whatever it is. Yeah. Cause Definitely. you're, you're basically an artist cause you're, you were in architecture and design before, um, before cycling primarily. And now you do a lot of design work with, with zero lemon. And like, yeah. as we said earlier with, uh, with Atticus, you do, you've just released another one for them, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I really like it. I'll tell you what, drawing marble is the biggest bastard <laughs> I've ever done. Like, like, so what people, like, what people don't understand with that one is like how you would draw it effectively is you draw the individual veins in marble. Right. That's the that's the easiest way that I can that I could explain it. That's hours of work, and I just I wasn't I was it's something I've been like batting around with the newest design. I've been batting around with it for 
quite a while because like, I'm, I'm obsessed with i've always been obsessed with like marble and stones and textures like that. that that's why i did architecture really okay and and I, I've always, I always wanted to do it like a marbled kind of jersey, cause, and also I've never really seen one like it. And any, whenever I do anything design-wise, personally, I, I make a real point. I try not to be influenced from other things I've seen. I try and just take away and negate, like, oh, X brand has done this and this brand's done that. I just kind of like, go, oh, this is something I think is cool. Let's just see what happens. And that, that, you know, like, so my background, yeah, it, it is architecture. I studied architecture. Before that, I actually, I studied fashion and fine art as well. Nice. So nice. Not, not many people know that side, but yeah, I did fashion and I did fine art and I did actually uh, collaborated on a, uh, a tailored, a men's tailored collection at one point in the past with a friend of mine. And we like launched it in, on Old Street in like a, like a little bar it was pretty cool <laughs> um and like she's an incredible tailor like she's done stuff with like alexander mcqueen and things so she's amazing. okay that's yeah and she wanted to kind of set up her own thing and she and we decided to kind of work on it together just for a bit of fun um so yeah i, I kind of i delved in a bit of everything from architecture fine art fashion photography illustration uh sculpture i used to do loads of like I used to, my mum will hate me for it but she actually still hates me for it i used to like go and uh make uh loads of sculptures out of like sheet metal and basically weld things cool. together yeah man fire hot stuff <laughs> you know really manly moment uh and this i was quite young at this point um this would have been when i was like 19 and um I used to just leave them in my mum's garden and there's like, she's still got them. There's like 10 different sculptures just hanging around in her garden of things I'd welded together. That's free art. And it, yeah. I mean, it was all about like playing with like tensile structures and like the way that you could stretch and bend and warp materials and metals and, and use the, the weight to basically create shapes. So like twisting shapes and stuff using weight. One of them like got nicknamed the big rusty prawn because it looked like a, a big rusty prawn. Um, but it effectively it was like made up of like triangles that sort of like were all uh, welded together and they, it twisted, the whole thing twisted. But as it twists, you had to like hold it in a certain way yeah. to make it twist. And then it all relied on its own weight. So it's quite cool, but really, really sharp and uh, not very good if you've got young kids. Young or kids, pets, pets or... Yeah. Are there pictures of these? Uh, yeah, there is somewhere, somewhere. Uh, there probably is for on, I don't know, like Facebook, like <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> I, I, through I, your I Facebook. Really, yeah, I should go back and actually go and take some decent photos of them because the whole idea of it was to age them and to rust them and stuff like that. But yeah, and I used to do a lot of painting. Um, I still have in my flat now, I have a painting that I did a very very long time ago still framed because i just really i really like the colors in it and and also not just the colors but it was the process of how i did it and like that was always something that's quite right. important to me, was the process so it was effectively like i used to i used to um i used to hate painting on canvas because i just think canvases look a bit shit okay and so i used to paint on uh like mdf okay but yeah what i 
sometimes they painted directly on MDF, which was kind of cool because it absorbed like oil paints in a certain way. But sometimes they used to just like mask on like massive sheets of paper and then paint on to the paper on the MDF and use the MDF as like a, I guess, like a board to work on. Yeah. The paper on the canvas. Yeah. And, um, but I, I made this particular one that I have still framed in my flat is basically I made this like jig that allowed me to spin the, um, the artwork, I yeah. guess, around. Um, so effectively the whole thing was movable, like 360 degree movable. Nice. Yeah. And it meant that I could basically paint and then like, I used to, I like basically would like coat it in white spirit because white spirit and oil paints like dilutes the paints and basically like paint some shit, spin it around a bit. But I was kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I was probably high as a kite from the white spirit, but (laughs) just the white spirits, mom, I promise. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mom is just white spirit. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, like it that 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 it was all about the process, and that's always been something that's been quite important to me. Even even when I worked in architecture, it was always the process of doing something. Like I, I was, I was very lucky. I got to work on some cool projects. Like I, I worked really hard at uni, and I worked uh, for like one of the biggest architecture firms uh, internationally, and I did that for quite a few years. And I actually, I won a couple of awards for my like wow. student work and one of those awards meant I got an interview at Gensler because they, they were hard to get an interview at and I then subsequently got a job there and I worked there for a I think a year and a half two years maybe and yeah. then my director at Gensler is a guy called Simon who was really really cool I've got I still got a hell of a lot of time for him and he then went and basically he went and set up like his own practice and he asked me to join his own practice and we we pitched uh it with his practice became like um an offshoot for an australian architecture firm so it was kind of like we became the london office for an australian firm sure yeah and then we ended up uh working doing a lot of work for deloitte and ironically it wasn't uh a lot in the uk it was canada mainly so i ended up working for an Australian architecture firm in London on projects in Canada. And that gives you a grand total of about two hours of downtime between the three places. Is that how you ended up like burning out of architecture? Yeah, very much so. I, I, it, it wasn't so much burnout as I started to resent it. And uh, I put on quite a lot of weight. I... I, I, I'm someone that does notoriously struggle with depression um, and it put me in a very bad headspace and I just sort of spiraled a bit out of control and it meant that I had to, I basically uh, gave up architecture pretty much. Well, one day I pretty much was just like, I can't do this. And because I was, I, was, I was very burnt out physically and emotionally and just, you know, I was, I was fucked. I was absolutely fucked. I was, I, you know, I was, I was, young at this point still i was like early 20s and yeah i was working on projects that were way ahead of my i guess my pay grade and my age and doing stuff which was much more advanced than i probably should have been doing but it was the nature of the job where we just you know we 
we're winging it and we just have to do it. So you've just um, got like permanent imposter syndrome. Yeah. 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 And um, so anyway, I left, I left quite spontaneously. I just sort of turned around and was like, I, can't, I literally can't do this anymore. And um, cycling was kind of starting to take off a bit more for me. Like I yeah. was enjoying, it was becoming much more of my life. Um, and I, I, I think I'd kind of, the damage was kind of done. So I was working there while I did the 107 challenge. Okay, yeah. And so I was trying to juggle this pretty full-on job while working, like, you know, realistically, a a nine-to-five job on paper, but it was probably more nine-to-ten, in all honesty, Um, just because of the nature of design. Like, it always overruns. You always end up working longer hours. Bleeds out into your life. Real life, yeah, exactly. And so, when I finished the 107 challenge, I quit. You just quit the work, yeah. I just quit. I was like, I mean, the 107 challenge in its own right was it still is the hardest thing I've ever done. And that's that's not, I've had people say to me, like, oh, you know, that doesn't sound that hard. And I was like, and I've said to when people have said that, like, you know, you get people that sort of troll about it, and I've said, like, cool go do it do it exactly how i did it and then come back to me and then we can actually have a discussion about it so you were working full-time while doing that i was working full-time uh no rest days (laughs) had no rest days Uh, i did it through the winter as well um that's horrible (laughs) yeah and i'll be honest i wasn't particularly fit um i wasn't definitely in comparison to like how I probably am now, I'm mm. definitely, you know, I was not fit. I was, you know, I was quite a lot bigger. I was probably, you know, I don't know, hundred kilos, something like that. Um, wow. And, and it was also a point when I was mentally very unstable, like incredibly unstable. So there's so many, there were so many aspects to it that made it tough. And it was, it probably wasn't the wisest thing to have done. Uh, but, it's a charity that's very important to me. Um, Which a charity? That, the charity is called the Pace Centre. Yeah. It's a it's a children's school which looks after 107 kids who have motor based disorders, so things like cerebral palsy. Uh, yeah, I got friends' kids that are there. Like it's the work they do is like probably some of the best leading work. For helping with motor-based disorders in the world, definitely wow. in the UK, and it's tiny. They don't really get a lot of government funding, uh, and I, I I went and visited there the first time I went and visited there, and I I was really really upset when I visited at the end, and I wasn't upset because like I felt like the kids weren't being given a good opportunity. I was I was upset because I felt like not, not enough was being done to help them and to help the families and to help the staff. Because like 107 doesn't sound like a lot of people really in the scale of the world. But you bear in mind with, with some of the, you know, there's different sort of depths and, and levels of motor-based disorders. And you, you look at like, I guess like some of the kids would find things like picking up a pencil hard and they'd get very frustrated by that. And that's something that as someone who comes from a creative background, like that is such a tiny thing, picking up a pencil to be able to draw, to write. Yeah. Like 
you remove that from yourself and you can understand how it becomes so frustrating. You take that for granted. And I guess if you're one of these children who uh, you still understand what's happening and you can see how easy it is for somebody to say, pick up a pen or pencil and you are struggling, uh, it's going to be incredibly difficult. Yeah. And it really hit me hard. Um, and that's when I was like, I've got, I've got to do what I can to help these guys. I, mm. I still do. I still try and figure things out that I can do to help them um, as much as I can. I, I, you know, I'm always trying to figure things to support them because they don't, they don't get a lot of government funding, if any, really, yeah. at the moment. And it, just because of the nature of being a small charity, I, you know, I've introduced a lot of people to them, and I, and what I'm very proud of is not so much the financial support that that challenge made for them. And it, it made a considerable uh, financial support towards them, as along with other things I've done since has, you know, massively helped them. That's, that's, that's part of the parcel of fundraising for a charity, yeah. the, which was more important to me. It was the exposure and recognition they got and for people to understand how key their work is. It goes is. way beyond just the one... Uh, that one donation that or, that you can make that one fundraising thing there's a exactly. hell of a lot more that that you do for it when you're doing that and what really and and i'm so i'm incredibly humbled by the fact that on instagram people tag me when they do 107 kilometer rides yeah like all the time and it's or the number and i have a really weird relationship with the number now and so many weird stories it's probably because i'm like subconsciously looking for it but so, so many weird stories have tied into it now. Um, one from last year that really, that I, I think was probably the one that kind of hit me the most actually, was I got, I went, I went out to the Tour de France and I, ha- I managed to meet Andy Schleck, which for me was like, as a fan of cycling, I was like, holy shit, That's this guy's a legend. Yeah. Uh, and like, the reason that I met him was because he saw, I have a tattoo on my arm that says 107. And the reason that I met him was he came up to me and pointed at my tattoo and was like, I need to know what the story is of that number because I have a really important story related to that number. Yeah. And that's, it's weird how seemingly insignificant things like a, a, a random number um, yeah. that is arbitrarily chosen can connect people in, as you say, across, you know, Andy Schleck, why would he ever come and and talk to to guys like us randomly at <laughs> the yeah. Tour de France? And that's amazing that he can do that. And then that means that, that you're putting it out there to him. Yeah, and then the next morning we went for a bike ride. Oh, sweet. Yeah, and he still dropped me up a climb. Like <laughs> he probably twice the size he was of when he won the tour. So he's just robbing him. He's, he's, he's still an absolute beast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like it, it's something that's like that challenge opened up a lot of different things when it finished um it got amazing exposure like it, it we the end total was like quarter of a million pounds like that's incredible and and, and that 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 comes from the fact that so many people were trying to were you know i was really not in a good way mentally and physically towards the end more mentally than physically um i was you know i was severely depressed 
severely, severely depressed at the end, towards the end, like the last two two weeks, really, really bad. And and it's just I was exhausted. There's literally I was exhausted. And but I was I was like, it's two weeks left. I'm determined. I was so determined to finish because it was so close. Yeah, I'd, I'd done it. I'd gone through a series of injuries, like storms, I'd kind of everything that happened had been thrown at me and I'd still got to that point. And then like just friend, like friends started pulling together. Cause they, I think, I think a lot of people didn't think I'd do it if I'm honest. And then when it got to like within like a month, people were like, Oh shit. Okay. This is doable. And then when it got to like two weeks, it's like, yeah, it's definitely doable. And that's when people like really started to like help out. Um, there was people who helped out all the time throughout the challenge, obviously, but there was like, strangers would be like come and meet because I, I did so much for it in regent's park because it's convenient to get to and I, that's why i don't I, can't, I really struggle with riding in regent's park now because i associate it with that challenge people would come and like offer to like like just let like keep me company for a chat strangers complete strangers or i remember i think it was like the last two it was probably is in the last week I didn't know, but my mates had organized a ride to get as many people as possible in Regent's Park. And I, w- I was really overwhelmed, really overwhelmed because it was, I still remember it. It was like it was just a peloton of riders going around the whole park. Yeah. Like it was a, almost a complete circle of riders. I didn't know where the end was and the start was. And the symbolism yeah, of that. How, like how many people you're touching like people you don't know but they're all following and getting involved in in what you're doing yeah and i think because it was so long that people it was it was something you could check in every day and it was like you know france, another part of it is like francis is one of my closest mates and he has been for a long time and francis's youtube channel now is massive yeah. you look at the things he does, where he goes, what, and I'm incredibly proud of him for what he's done and how determined and driven he is, like to to grow it and yeah, to produce beautiful content. It's beautiful. It is be- what he does is beautiful, like, and it's funny, like it's good to watch. Yeah, um, and when I started that challenge, he had pretty much started his YouTube channel, and. I, I will forever be in debt to him for being able that I can now go back and look at those videos from like those those rides. Like, because he ride he rode probably I don't know he'd would meet up like a couple of times a week and go for a ride and then just chat, just chat shit. It was his channel that first like twigged me onto who you were and what you were doing and the one hundred and seven thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it got so much exposure for the challenge. Like his channel grew a lot from it. Yeah. Because I think it was a continual story that people could check in onto. Yeah. And on the side of that, it brought in so much money to charity and take the money away. It brought so much exposure. Yeah. That's true. And how did how did Zero Eleven come about off was that after that? After the challenge? Oh, a long time after. So Zero Zero Eleven was like Oh man, I think I only really started that properly as Zero Eleven. I've all, I've been doing like bits of design things on the side anyway, like pretty much since I left architecture. But I, insisting that I only do things for fun. Um, and then obviously I worked for Jam for quite a while. Uh, I pretty much J- 
Jam wasn't even Jam when I started working for Jam. Yeah, it didn't have a name. It did, it, we didn't have anything, and that became my like baby project for quite a few years. Um, and then, um, unfortunately, uh, like last October, uh, things were getting tough, like small business problems, as I think everyone knows. And yeah. uh, I lost my job, um, uh, unfortunately. But what part of me losing my job? And Francis also losing his job has meant that the company still existed. So there's, you know, there's swings and roundabouts to everything. Um, but that was when I was like, and I was doing design stuff for Jam. Like I was designing kits and jerseys and uh, prints and t-shirts and stuff like that. Like just, and they were a lot of the, a lot of it was like George was just like, oh, do you want to just play around with some ideas and have some fun? And that's like a dream thing for anyone creative. Yeah. It's just like, fuck it, I'm just going to play around with this and see what happens and then we can get it made and see if it sells. And anyway, when I, like was when it all kind of ended with Jam, which would have been last October, uh, that's when I was like, I really should have my own thing, which allows me to express myself creatively. And if people want to support that, they can, if they want to purchase things. Uh, and the flips, and then so everything I've, done has kind of been like oh it's kind of been things that i just kind of like myself and i've offered people the opportunity if they want to to get involved and buy it as well and then whatever profit comes out of it goes back into buying things like microphones or you know to back into like trying different things out um just experimenting and testing like i've got a large assortment of random shit on my desk which are things which i'm trying to play around with and see if it looks kind of cool uh and then so that was always the design side of it. And then the podcast thing came around because I I listened to a lot of podcasts. I listened to this podcast that we're recording now. Uh, and <laughs> I, messaged, yeah, I messaged you and I was like, I, I, I kind of didn't realize you're doing a podcast. And I was like, and then I was aware of it. And then I was like, I, sh- I should actually listen to this. I don't know why I haven't listened to this. And then I just like spam listen to everything. And Alicia was the one that she gave you a shout out. Yeah, and I was a bit, I was a bit like, shit. Oh, that's kind of very flattering. <laughs> and caught me off guard because I was just listening and working. I was like, wait a minute, that's, that's my, my name. name. <laughs> rewind, rewind a little bit. Press play again. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, I, and then I, I sort of thought I, I, I've always wanted to start a podcast. It was something that I wanted to do when I worked at Jam and to have a jam podcast and i guess for me it was i i get a lot of people go oh you should have your own youtube channel and all this and and for me i never have wanted to do that i really respect people that do it but i also see as i've got friends that do it and i i see how hard it can be and how mm-hmm. much it encompasses so much of your life and i'm 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 quite a like I like to keep myself to myself quite a lot of the time uh, I don't, it's not that I don't like people it's that I like I quite like just being on myself yeah um, and doing a YouTube channel to me would be too personally uh, would be too much of a in, too intrusive on my own life and so and also I see the amount of time and effort that like Francis goes into it and Lawrence does into it and Kira for example and it's I a job like, if I were to do it yeah, it's a job. And if I was to do it, I would be wanting to do it as good as them. And yeah. I couldn't justify that. And I didn't like the idea of it being so intrusive in my life. And also, if I'm honest, I don't watch a lot of YouTube. 
And in contrast, I listened to a shitload of podcasts. Right. So that's where it was. And to me, like I like listening to podcasts when I'm riding, when I'm working, like, and I used it as a basis to basically allow me to have conversations with not just friends, but people I really do admire in, in not just in cycling, like in the world. Yeah. Uh, and just have a very open and frank conversations and just see where they go. And admittedly, some of them are a little bit, I well, not scripted, but like prompted on, on how, <laughs> what the discussion points are. But that's mainly because someone, the, the person who I'm doing it with has asked it. But generally speaking, I normally write an email that I'm just going to freestyle it and just see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's come across well. Like I remember the Joe Laverick one, like listening to your Joe Laverick podcast. I was like, I've got to get this guy on. I've got to do yeah, it. He's amazing. He's such a cool kid. Um, and he's, Joe gets it. Joe understands that there's so much that he can offer. Not in his own, like, he's a young guy, but his experience as a, as a rider that's raced for Great Britain and, you know, as a young kid, he's, he's had a lot to deal with and he's done a lot in his life. Like, shit, when I was his age, I think all I gave a crap about was playing PlayStation. <laughs> Wait, like, was I meant to grow out of that? <laughs> that's, no. <laughs> that's where I'm still at. There's the PlayStation. That's so <laughs> But you care about more than just PlayStation. <laughs> true. Now. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joe was like, I, I, someone that I pretty much just messaged him out of the blue and I was like, dude, I'd love to do a podcast with you because I really admire you as a person and what you've done. And it's surprising that people are willing to do that as well. You know, it, it would be difficult, I think, if you said, I'd like to do a YouTube video with you. First, the, yeah. the logistics of that it yeah. is crazy. Uh, and then... As you said, they're kind of opening themselves up. They're putting their face on the camera. Not everyone wants to do that, but mm-hmm. everybody can sit down and have a conversation. And especially when you remind them, uh, we can get rid of absolutely anything you don't like. Yeah, um, they're much more willing to sit down and talk about things that that maybe they wouldn't normally. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that um, you know, I mean, I I sort of say from the start when I record mine, like I'm not. I, I plan to do very little editing on this. If there's something you specifically don't want, if there's something that comes to your mind when after that we've recorded it mm. and you feel like we've you know, talked about, by all means say it. But there's, do you know what? There's only been, I think in the 21 episodes I've done, there's been one thing that I've had to edit out. <laughs> yep. And that was, and, and I can say what it is because it wasn't even about, it wasn't even bad. It was purely that it was the one I did with Ruben, who's one of the designers from Laser. Yeah, yeah. And it was purely uh, a, um, it's actually my fault, not even Ruben's fault. It was the fact that people, uh, so Laser sponsored ED, Van der Poel, and yeah. Alpha Phoenix. They don't sponsor them anymore. Oh, okay, yeah. It's purely that. That was literally it. I mentioned it in the sense of like, oh, yeah, you sponsor Van der Poel. And, and they were like, well, okay, can we not that? It's like the equivalent of a verbal typo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was it. That's the only time when someone's been like, oh, please, can you yeah. knock that out? And it's oh, no, there's one other time. There is one other time. <laughs> we won't mention that one. <laughs> oh, no, 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 it's funny as well. I can mention it. It's where I was doing a podcast with Francis and uh, I really needed a piss. So I just was like, I'm going to go for a piss and I'm going to edit this out because 
Okay. Just just because I can. Please tell me you didn't like take the microphone. It wasn't a headset mic or something. I wasn't a Britney mic, no. Oh, I've got like a boot like a proper like uh big mic with yeah. a muffler in front of it and all that sort of stuff. Oh, thank but God. It means you're not accidentally taking that to the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that could have been bad. <laughs> but you've ended up with like a really good following, you know, the the one oh seven, the zero them and the podcasts. Ended up with a really good following on on social media, and uh, a group of people that you can connect with, engage with, and put different ideas to. Whether it's your design ideas or the um, the charity work. Yeah, I mean, I must be do- doing something right. I mean, I just kind of wing it a lot of the time. I like, I really, I try to be really honest with everything I do, and whether that's the brands that I'm working with or whether that's design work or whether that's anything. I always try and be honest and I I try and be genuine. And social media is something that's so like contrived, isn't it? Like curated and so curated and like, yeah, mine is curated to, to a point. Definitely. Like as for example, I don't post anything like with me and my partner. I I actually don't post about my partner at all. It's not relevant. (laughs) It's not relevant, exactly. Um, but I, you know, I, you have to have you. You need to have your own private life still. And for me, how I try and I do genuinely try to use social media in a positive way is to help inspire people to be able to show that one, you can pretty much do anything if you put your mind to it. I know that sounds really cheesy, but I'm going to go with it. Um, and two, that that like that there is people are real and like yeah. you know i i used to be a big fat kid who used to get bullied a lot um and played rugby and then managed to really break my body in rugby and then that's how i started cycling yeah and i tried to be like very genuine and honest about that side of it um it's quite hard for me to talk about the points it's real that like everybody will be able to relate to that yeah I think that's really important, really important. And it's like, you know, I, I, I've, uh, you know, I've talked about like my weight issues, depression. Um, I, I know one thing I've never really touched on is, uh, I'm, I talk about it to people anyway, but like I had a cancer scare when I was younger. Like there's so many like little things, yeah. that, you know, you just being honest and truthful to yourself. And I feel personally, I also feel like if I, talk about things it, it for me as someone who has struggled with depression that's much better oh definitely definitely rather than bottling it up and it's good for people to know that as we understand it on the behind the scenes social media is curated but that doesn't mean that you can't open up and say hey always look at my bike photos awesome but at the same time i'm a real person these are real things that are happening to me or you or anybody. Yeah. And especially in the current, like current climate in the UK and internationally, like this, we've never seen something like this in our lifetime. Like when you look at the, you know, the racial implications that are going on right now, the even things to do with gender that are occurring. It's a boiling pot, isn't it? It really is. It really, really is. And, the best, you know, my, my dad, my dad always said to me, and I, my dad's like, he's very blunt, he's very northern, and 
one thing that it sticks to me like glue is that he always said to me is like treat everyone else how you'd want to be treated yeah as that simple it's such a simple thing and i think a lot of people forget it and that tied in ironically with the podcast i did with joe about don't be a dick like there's things that just like are really basic things that i think that are very easy to forget at the same time definitely i reckon this is a good place to call it um a little call to action what is your instagram account <laughs> my instagram is chris hall rides it's been chris hall rides for a very long time it used to be like my full name <laughs> and then uh, my mates were like it's really way too long and then i was like what do i do a lot of time i ride my bike okay chris all rides and so it's stuck <laughs> the instagram algorithm won't like your full name choose something else crystal rides yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but you're 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 active on instagram all the time active on twitter as well yeah same on twitter crystal yeah. rides on twitter i mean i'm funny with twitter because i i'm dyslexic so straight away i'm at an, i'm at a disadvantage 100% follow that twitter then <laughs> yeah uh, and then the next thing is is like I do feel like Twitter is like really abusive. Oh, it's and, it, I yeah. I need to switch off of it. It's horrible. I, so I I only really log into Twitter once a week and have a look at what's going on. Yeah, but I I feel like it's I I'm, I'm a bit, I feel like Instagram is for posers, Twitter's for weirdos, and YouTube is for vain people. <laughs> Podcast is where all the cool kids are. Podcast is where all the kid, cool kids. Podcast is for people that like to talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we we talk on a podcast so that we don't talk at people in real life for hours on end yeah exactly exactly oh dear well uh, thank you so much for for coming i mean i've got a running order here and a a plan of action that has instantly been thrown out the window yeah did we actually stick to any of it probably not but it's all the better for it i'm i'm really glad and it's the probably the most open and casual chat i've i've had with anyone probably one of the most helpful i hope so i'm like i really i genuinely really hope that uh people get something out of any you know podcast whatever it is i as always that been really important to me is that how can you help other people um and support other people in any way you can like i'm i sound so shit to say as well like, i make a real point of applying replying every message that i get it takes so long but why not? someone i might use it's that whole like do to others as you want yeah. to you like someone's gone out their way to message you so the least you can do is message back there we yeah. go You're gonna gonna encourage everybody to go and message you now oh shit <laughs> <laughs> don't worry there's only like three people that listen to this so it's fine <laughs> no there's four isn't there oh of course i i forgot to include my mum <laughs> oh, so dear. Good. <laughs> oh dear chris thank you so much for for joining me on the monument cycling podcast oh, thank you for having me honestly it's been a pleasure oh you're welcome thank you folks make sure to subscribe go hit up chris on instagram <laughs> oh dear thank you very much and we'll see you next time <laughs>